Rick, how did how did this book? Because as you you and I have talked, and we now co-pastor God Speak together. And as I was telling these guys, our our careers paralleled, and we would have interaction. And you know, folks would look at me and say, "Oh, that's the political guy of Calvary Chapel. It's good that he's doing that." But it, folks would just kind of dismiss it, and I understood that. That didn't phase me because that's how I was raised. Mm-hmm. But you all of a sudden show up at a critical juncture where God has used you to to uh, be instrumental in a very large church in Idaho. God calls you out of that to do Kingdom X. And then our past crosses, you're visiting here uh, with Craig and Lauren Lindquist. Mm-hmm. You and Tammy are here visiting. I see you. I go, hey, Rick. And, uh, and, and then you kind of started to see what we were about. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hits, and you're like, something clicked. Yeah. And then you were the first to read his book, mm-hmm. and you got me fired up. You're more red pill than I am. So <laughs> walk folks through that, how a, a, a typical Calvary pastor doesn't go the direction of, say, a Brian Broderson, mm-hmm. but, but goes to this direction. You're drawn to a, a, an agnostic and a Reformed theologian that, you know, this book hits you. First of all, I've always been attracted to people that love liberty and love truth, mm. right? Is, so, and, and it makes us strange bedfellows Amen. with friends that I've had over the years because I'm like, hey, you, you're not, you're not a person that's just given to subjective truth. You agree that there's objective truth and subjective truth. And so when I came here and I saw what Rob was doing, Rob was the tip of the spear to stand up him in a number of churches in California to stand for liberty. And our movement, Calvary Chapel, has been uh, basically, don't get into politics. Teach the Bible, tell people about Jesus. But it was founded through the 60s and 70s of the revolution era of America where everybody was kind of sick of talking about what's happening on the streets. And let's just teach the Bible and love Jesus and sing some songs. But that carried over into as all these things began to unravel in our structure and society, not to be salt and light, and to really press into these issues uh, because, hey, I got my message, we're doing an exposition of the book of Ephesians, and, you know, hey, that's great, but not really being in touch. And so Rob, standing up politically for the Constitution, for our, we were really fighting for liberty as Christians, based on the Constitution, and for Jesus realizing that what I saw Rob doing, it connected me to Nazi Germany with the rise of Hitler, and the church not standing up for the Jewish people, for the church just basically, you know, cover, see no evil, hear no evil. And, and I realized, you know, Rob inspired me. Like, he is not going down with the ship of this, what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't see a voice like that. I never, I, I came from Idaho. It's a red state. I lived in the, the eastern Idaho, which is the most red, conservative, I'm like, why would I be political? I'm preaching to the choir. Everybody that shows up, the farmers, the ranchers, the, these people are like me, right? We believe in objective truth. We, there wasn't, but I come to communist California mm-hmm. and I see Rob standing. It's almost like him and you know, the, guy, the Marines raising the flag and there's something very inspiring. And, but for a lot of people our age, Rob and I are both 56, you preserve way better. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not like that last generation of boomer. I was born in 65. And I just woke up one day last year in the middle of the pandemic seeing, now, it was an anomaly, COVID. We're watching to see what happened. But mm-hmm. when I saw the tyrannical control of government, 
it just like slapped me in the face. Like yeah. they're telling me where to sit down, where how to shut up, how to mm-hmm. where to go. And then as the science comes out, it's, well, it's like a flu if you're under 65 and you have no health, underlying health issues. What's the deal? And um, so I was groping. I was really like a guy groping in the dark because I would hear, you know, the racial issue was coming up. But it was, you know, people are throwing out ideas like a shot, like these big, yeah, it's a racial tension. It's rising again like it did in the 60s and the 70s. And then I saw an interview with James and Charlie Kirk and uh, this book, Cynical Theories. And I thought, this is the information I need to pack, uh, to unpack. And so when I read it and I walked through the, the two core principles and the four themes of uh, the book, and you, you said Helen Pluckrose came up with those as you guys co-wrote this together. Right. But it finally gave me specific language. Mm. The first, which is the knowledge principle, that anything that's evidence-based, basically enlightenment thinking, is all racist because mm-hmm. of right the, yeah. the mindset. And so... That's what I couldn't figure out when I talked to somebody that had been uh, contaminated <laughs> by this. And I would try to talk logically to them. They would dismiss it. Why that? That's, so it's a white man's construct. It's, a, it's construct. unacceptable. And I had never been mm-hmm. in conversations where logic and evidence and data and statistics and, uh, I mean, I just grew up in the, I'm mean, a child of the Enlightenment and, and, and the Christian. So I believe in objective truth. And so those are the things that un- gave me the, the ability to actually have handles. So when people ask me, what's because they look, look at, like they're groping in the dark with that same look on their face. Pastor Rick, what's going on? I'm like, well, let me tell you what's going on. The indoctrination of postmodernism. And, mm-hmm. and, but it is w- what I realize, it is the deconstruction to rule over the ashes that uh, is a plan for the state to rise. And uh, an object that is in the way of that is people that hold to objective truth, specifically Christians. I just came from a church where they have $3.5 million in fines. I preached twice there this morning and uh, flew on a small airplane to get here because they're in the Silicon Valley, the heart of uh, the technocrats. Uh, on that description, and, and you, you alluded to uh, the pandemic and the virus, I, I want the two of you guys to articulate this concept, and, and especially, Rick, when you were talking about the knowledge principle, that that's the one thing that causes us to be immune if we stand upon uh, truth, knowable truth, and absolute truth. But you're talking based on their own writings, how they equate uh, critical theory with a virus, especially in women's study. Um, would you elaborate on that and talk about the immunity that the church has and why this is critical that we are knowledgeable and prepared to stave off this viral infection of critical theory? Sure. Let me take a second to just kind of um, make sure everybody knows what the thing is that is the virus, and then I'll talk about how the virus works. Uh, and-, and we're talking about... a. a, a, a uh, an ideological virus, Co- not a correct. biological. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and I actually want to kind of start by alluding back to the this is inevitable, which side are you on discussion that Michael prevent, presented a little bit ago. That, by the way, is super Hegelian. History has a trajectory. History has an outcome. That outcome is inevitable. You have to pick to be on the right side of history or the wrong side of history. And a lot of this analysis going all the way back, whether it's Marx, whether it's these neo-Marxists or whatever, has that in it. Now, what the virus we face is is a combination 
of postmodernism and critical theory. So the, the formal academic term for that is critical constructivism. Okay. The postmodernists are constructivists, social constructions, or knowledge is just a social construction. Everything in society is just socially constructed by the way that people interact with one another and the culture of the time and place that they happen to live. It's just constructed. And then we're going to use critical theory to analyze social constructions. That's what, what woke is. So critical race theory is an example of that. Um, queer theory is an example of that. Post-colonial theory is an example of that, and there are dozens more examples of this. Fat studies, disability studies. Fat studies, studies. disability studies, right. yeah, exactly. Critical study of anything, blank studies at the university, whatever blank is, they're all that way. And so what you actually have is a fusion. In the book, we say that, that postmodernism got packaged up and taken up by activists who made it very actionable in the 1980s and 1990s. And those activists were critical theorists. Mm -hmm. So we just don't dive into that because it's a whole separate can of worms. The book is about postmodernism. But you actually have this situation where postmodernists are kind of post-truth. They don't believe that there is objective truth. They believe that different cultures have things they call true and they treat as true, but that's a social construction of that culture. The neo-Marxists, the, the critical theorists, didn't believe that. They believed that there is truth, but that the, the powerful interests of society are creating conditions that brainwash people into false consciousness not to be able to know what that is. What Herbert Marcuse was a famous example of a, a critical theorist, and he called it the heteronymous interests of the corporatist capitalist mm -hmm. uh, power structure. The, they wanted you, the, whether it's through advertising, right. go to work, enjoy your job, come home, buy the cool car. They wanted you to think not for yourself, but as they wanted you to think, a very propaganda-minded mm -hmm. approach. Those two things came together, and that's the virus. So then in 2016, to answer your question directly, we have this paper that comes out they, where they proudly proclaim the title of the paper is Women's Studies as a Virus. Now, Women's Studies is just one of these many fill-in-the-blank studies. Mm -hmm. And so it could be critical race theory as a virus. It could be post-colonial theory as a virus. It could be disability theory. It doesn't matter. Uh, and they describe in that paper that the ideal metaphor to describe their methodology is the virus. That is their words for themselves. It's the ideal feminist pedagogy is the metaphor of the virus. And they give examples of some viruses like HIV, which of course suppresses the immune system. Mm -hmm. Ebola, which is horrible. I don't know if it suppresses the immune system, but nobody wants that. Yeah. <laughs> SARS, which... The first one. SARS, the original SARS, which yeah. was basically, you know, a high proportion, was it 10 plus percent death sentence. And now we've done gain of function and trying to really weaponize it. Yeah, no kidding. And so they compare themselves to these three viruses in the paper and say... They actually compare themselves yes, they to say, those viruses. They say, in fact, that the way the metaphor works is that either through ideas or through indoctrinating people in the subjects and then getting them to become activists, because this is all Marxian at the root, therefore theory must be wedded to praxis, which mm. is theory put into practice. A uh, fancy word, I think, I don't know if Marx made it up, but Marx certainly used it. The, the Marxian word is that for, for applying theory and social activism is praxis, and that these people and their ideas have to be inserted. We train them in a women's studies classroom and we send them into a biology department. Mm. We train them in a women's studies classroom, we send them to the media. We put them on CNN. We train them in a women's studies classroom, and it doesn't have to be women's studies, critical race classroom, and we send them into philosophy. We send them into the church. We send them into whatever to infect from within and change the internal structure of that. Now, what you asked about with the immune system is they say in the paper, believe it or not, that conservatism represents the immune system, and it will fight back. <laughs> but then they say yeah. that that is bad, that the immune system is there is bad, because they argue that what you actually want is transformative change. 
So you have to let the virus run its course. You have to let the virus, if it's certain ones, cause cancer. They openly say in their own words that cancer represents transformative change, permanent transformative change if they want. So they describe themselves as cancer. They describe themselves as a virus in this paper. And, and they keep going till the host is dead. Well, they say the goal is not to kill the host, I think, three times in the paper. Mm -hmm. But what are you going to do if it, does, if it does die? And then their attitude, once... The, you can say all kinds of high-minded things that are going to get in an academic journal, but when it gets out on the street and gets put into application, if the host dies, well, they can just rationalize it. Well, it's a white supremacist church anyway. It's okay that it died. With, uh, with the church, they have to suppress the church because that's the immune system. That's right. So that's, if they can't co-opt it or kill it, they have to, mm -hmm. they have to suppress it. And, and thus, they can't necessarily get to the congregation. They go after the shepherds, and then the shepherds Correct. disciple and indoctrinate Right. They do two and, things, and actually. This, yeah. They will go after the shepherds. The other thing that they'll do, and it often may come in through the shepherds, but the, the other thing that they'll do is that, the, and this is how this plays out, whether it was in the atheist movement, whether it's in George Floyd dying in the aftermath, whether it's in any given church, institution, school, you name it, is what they will do is they'll try to create a contingent, which you might call a vanguard in older language, of people who believe the ideology, and then they wait for or manufacture a precipitating event. This is the point, by the way, of diversity and inclusion training at work, is to create 4% of your workforce that buys into this now that didn't before, and a further maybe 4 to 10% of your workforce that's going to be sympathetic to it. So then the precipitating event comes. George Floyd dies, for example, or somebody makes a racist comment. The pastor says something untoward or whatever. And the whole, rather than people being able to debate it and figure it out and come together and solve the problem, wham, they polarize completely. Right. And then the thing's broken from within. And that's actually the strategy of how this virus breaks. To divide breaks and conquer. To divide, divide, literally yes. to divide yes. and conquer. Yeah. yeah. And the enemy the, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the right. Hegelian dialectic right. is that yeah. with, with this intersectionality that a, a number of folks are commenting on with critical theory, intersectionality is this concept of victimization <laughs> groups that, that gain significance based on their victimhood. Right. Okay. So even though they're finding their truth and their power through political unity, as opposed to absolute truth, which they dismiss, and they get rid of uh, enlightenment thinkers, empirical data, scientific method. They redefine truth and the lexicon, which you're, you're dealing with uh, the, the meaning of words, yeah. the semantics, and they, they change them. I and you have 150-plus words. You've already started to show how they change the lexicon. I'll give you an example of a good one that, that uh, takes people by surprise. Democracy. We all think we have this. I, I get a little bit, I don't know what to do. I would seem to say I get chills or weirded out when I hear somebody like one of the big Democratic politicians come up and say, we've got to save our democracy or this is a threat to our democracy. Because when you read their literature, and I could quote Lenin on this if you want, the, the democracy doesn't exist if there's any inequality in society. If there's any structural inequality at all, it's not democracy. If you have more money than I do, you have more ability to amplify your voice. You can buy better cameras, better microphones. Yeah. If you have more privilege than I do, people will listen to you or whatever. So until you have communism, democracy is not true exist. or ideal democracy. And our founders, none of them wanted a democracy because it just leads to an oligarchy. Well, that's the other side of things. Yeah. That's right. Democracy right. itself. We have a republic for a reason. But they even go further. And so when they say the word democracy, they mean democracy that presupposes communism. equity or communism underneath it. So because of that, the Constitution's in the way. 
The Constitution mm -hmm. is in the way. That's right. Constitution and, they, this is and, why they, they and they do the hate lexical rights. stuff. Because and they hate rights. They do hate rights. Page that was 23. page 23. Page 23 of Critical Race Theory and Introduction. <laughs> says, Critical Race Theorists are highly suspicious of another liberal mainstay, namely rights. That's the first sentence in the paragraph on page 23 of that book. I've read that book so many times. But no, the Constitution, this is why they play these lexical games. Yes. The Constitution's in the way. Yes. But if you can reinterpret what the words in the Constitution mean, you don't even have to change. You don't have to amend. A living those, document. Those hard right. things. Things like putting a new constitutional amendment in can be avoided if you just change what the words mean. Right. If you undermine, say, with the establishment clause of the First Amendment, if you understand what, if you undermine, for example, what establishment means, then you have changed the First Amendment without ever having to change a single word. I see the Fourth Amendment under threat from, for example, these land acknowledgments because it doesn't protect stolen Correct. land. That's so right. you come out and say enough times, we live on stolen land, we live on stolen, we operate on stolen land. This is stolen land. This is stolen land. It's only a matter of time until somebody from the government could step in and say, well, you've admitted 3,000 times at your you know, institution or whatever that you're on stolen land. So search and seizure is, is on the table now. They didn't change a word of the Fourth Amendment. Mm -hmm. And so this is why they one of the reasons they play these lexical games, in addition to keeping people confused. Can I just ask you to, if you can join with Rob and I, and we can, are a moment of misery to try to, <laughs> to, to communicate with people that it's like nailing down jello of this moving, morphing word game mm -hmm. of things and ideas that you're just like, let's talk about this logical. <laughs> it's like trying to play whack-a-mole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, the, the frustration of it because of exactly what you're talking about. So it, the people that are, the people yes. work with, that are going to watch this, mm -hmm. work with someone like this. They do. They've been trained in the theory. And, right. and they've come out, and they're they're trying to dialogue we've at break time, and and help us out, Jay. Help these people uh, have some bullets, I'm metaphorically, not by, yeah. metaphorically, uh, of ideas to be able to deal with this. I mean, one of the things I say when I encounter these, if you get the the whiff that this is what's going on, is yeah. to just plainly state, I know this manipulation; it doesn't work on me. It's very effective. But unfortunately, the only way you can defeat these word games, there are only kind of two things you can do. One is that you must demand upfront what are the definitions and we're not changing them. Those are going to be in writing, every document, whether it's a law or whatever. Mm. By X, we mean, you know, Y. And okay. the problem is, is there's lots and lots and lots of words that they can fool around with, so it's a bit more difficult than that. The second thing is to beat the word games, though, unfortunately, you have to know how they're being used in each, both ways or more than one way at a time and say, yeah, I believe in the idea that one person, one vote. However, I don't believe that the one person, one vote presupposes that every person has to be completely equal for that to count. You have to be able to say both sides of it, and that's exhausting and it's tiring. You have to be able to, you know, argue, they, they claim that they're anti-essentialists, so you have to be able to argue that the essence of a thing matters. Mm. Critical race theory, is it being taught in schools? That's a hot topic. Yeah. They keep saying it's not even being taught in schools. It's a high-level legal theory, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, if you go to the narrowest, most technical definition, that's true. But it's false in reality because it's certainly, I mean, even right. my favorite book, Critical Race Theory and Introduction, or the first paragraph, or second paragraph, I should say, yeah. says, well, it started in law, but it rapidly spread. And this was written in 2001, by the way. Mm -hmm. It started in law, and it rapidly spread into other fields, like education. It's just right there in print. So you have well, to talk about Washington State. Well, Washington State had an equity task force at the beginning of 2019 put out by the governor. This isn't a small thing. No. That's going to have you know full administrative state power. 
And they were, for the equity task force, in the middle of this meeting, which literally in this meeting, they all, everybody should look this up if they can find it, equity, Washington State Equity Task Force. Watch this boring ta you know, legislative task force meeting all the way through. The things that they do are horrifying. They compare, for example, they say that, that our goal as America should be to move more towards South Africa as a model mm -hmm. for how we govern. That's in there. They say it explicitly. Mm -hmm. They um, apologize for you. Like the one guy says, well, we got to get back on the agenda. But I apologize saying I know that's the words of white supremacy coming out of my mouth to stick to an agenda. You know, they say crazy stuff like this. But then they go and they're, they're arguing over, well, how are we going to define equity that defines our equity task force? And they put a bunch of fluff words in there and they're arguing over one sentence in the middle that hides the ball, if you will. And that mm -hmm. sentence is equity is disrupt and dismantle. Disrupt, dismantle, deconstruct, all their mindset is the same. Okay. Tear down, tear down, tear down. The, the, this is a segue to you, Michael. It, it, equity is to disrupt and dismantle. Mm -hmm. And so with this intersectionality of victimization groups, mm -hmm. now we're watching disruption and dismantling even within the victimization groups because mm -hmm. you've got women's studies, and now you can't even define what a woman is right. because you've got biological males who declare themselves to be females who are now competing in female sports and dominating. You've got the weightlifter from New Zealand. You've got the MMA fighter that broke the facial bones of a, mm -hmm. uh, of a biological female because this male decided he wanted to compete as a female. They're devastating track records and everything else. And the, the, this women's rights is being dismantled and attacked. So even with the victimization intersectionality, it still devours itself. Is this, is this a correct statement? Is that? Let me jump in real quick and then I want to hear what Michael says because I want people to understand why that's the case. Mm. Yeah. But you can't define woman. Because what's happened is that this has, the, the, the slope on the left is always slippery. Once it's using a dialectical method, the slope is or deconstruction, slippery slope. Disrupt and dismantle, slippery slope every time. Because if you, so with, 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 woman from feminism, the idea or women's studies, feminism gave way to women's studies, gave way to gender studies, gave way to queer theory. The, the idea is with woman that you are going to deconstruct in feminism the idea of the gender role. So we're going to decouple gender from sex. Mm -hmm. So women, it, that's a biological category, but we're not going to tell people what it means to be a woman mm -hmm. in terms of their dress, their appearance, their behavior or whatever. You know, we're going to decouple gender expression from sex. And that was step one. And then what happens is you finally get down to queer theory, and they say, wait, 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 wait. If you want to say a woman is a biological category, that's an awful lot of status quo you're leaving on the table, conservative. So all of a sudden, your radical feminists become raging conservatives against queer theory because right. they've shifted all the way the social construction idea gets more and more and more and more social constructivist. And if you stop and say, woman is the man and woman, that we won't deconstruct that. Then they say, well, you just want to leave a lot of status quo on the table, don't you? Like uh, Maria Navratilova. You've, you've messed me up, Patrick. Yeah, me too. I, I, I always tongue-tied that one. <laughs> but yeah, within Martina. your book, just, and I know it's going to go to Michael, but one of the themes is destabilize all categories. Yes. You cannot have right. a category that is stable. That's Anything theory, binary, male, female, yep. you must destabilize yep. that. That's and now right. it's... The, the feminine must be destabilized. Because if you don't, you're leaving yeah. something on the table. That they could tear apart and deconstruct. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it is, by their definition, conservative to leave any status quo on the table at all. But if my mindset, you guys, is the more I can divide that one group, and if I have all these groups to do it with, the more that they can eat and devour, the virus is having its effect. Right? It's accomplishing by deconstruction and fragmenting the society 
for the ultimate savior right. to come on the scene. Right. Which no, is the goal. Sorry, Michael. We didn't mean that. No, that was fantastic. And no, that's not stealing anything. It's that's that's defining properly, and I think that's what we all want, in regards to where the information comes from. But I would say, you know, just what James had just said, none of this would be possible at all without total buy-in from every sector of society. And this is what you have to understand. If it was just, let's say, the DNC and the squad that was doing this, everybody would be like, ah, they're crazy, they're nuts. But if portions of the RNC are pushing some of this in a light fashion, you know, intersectionality light or soft intersectionality, Mm -hmm. if within this you have the entire medical community embracing health equity that James and I had a conversation on last year, where you're basically creating medical Marxism. If along with this, you're having cookie manufacturers like Oreo putting out their packages with gender pronouns on them. If in all of your arts and entertainment in the film industry, they're saying now every film, even if it's period, it has to have an intersectional model to it. There has to be diversity, inclusion, and equity included. If within every major denomination and faith-based system, they're saying, as well, we must embrace DEI. We need to use critical race theory and intersectionality as analytical tools by which we see everything. If now, within the way that you understand the Bible, the way that you um, exegete or that you um, you, you pull meaning out of the Bible. It must come from an African uh, standpoint. It must come from a female standpoint. It must come from a Latino standpoint. When you do this, and you're saying that every single... You can't watch a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game without being hit with all of this at the same time. It's coming at you like an onslaught, a, sun, a tsunami that you cannot avoid and your kids can't avoid. No one can avoid it. We, we have... Uh, let's do it this way. A Christian school hmm. having uh, teaching their, their, their class or, or teaching the student body hmm. that there's systemic racism, hmm. that uh, you, know, you, you really have to see things from this perspective as though you're born with an immutable trait, but the racism is systemic to you. Though right. the scripture speaks that it's individual to the heart, Correct. they're saying when you're born with a lack of melanin, you are guilty as charged. Right. Uh, and, and this is racial reconciliation to recognize that. That is critical theory. Correct. In other words, you're saying that there is a collective, you know, that yeah. is identified by... And by you, you owe something to somebody. Correct. Yeah, social as, justice. As social opposed justice. to hearts reconciling. Yeah. You know, so I have... My wife is Chinese. I'm half Cuban. And it wasn't as if we needed to make sure that we went to the Pope of Chinese people and the Pope of, you know, half Cuban Irish people to make sure that they reconciled first to make sure that we're able to... Well, my son-in-law is half black and half white, so he has to pay himself reparations. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so when you, when you look at these things and you look at the buy-in that actually has to happen for this all to occur, why is it that a Calvary Chapel pastor, an agnostic... Uh, that's been involved in, in math and education and so forth. And, and, and then a reformed guy that really has been staying out of the fray for the past, you know, the past 20 years. And a bull rider. And a bull rider. How can we all get <laughs> I like together? I like my label. You know, and we, we, could, we could put a whole bunch of, we could, you know, Ian Hersia Lee we could put here as well. Yeah. We could put other people at this table and go, yeah, we're all in agreement. This is a problem. And here's the thing. We want to even disagree with one another about certain things. We want to reserve the right to disagree. Exactly. But instead, this is the largest ecumenical movement in the history of the world. 
because really what this is is a giant cult startup that says you must dogmatically yes. obey these different ideas and doctrines and so forth. And if you divert, you will be punished. That's basically what's going on. And can I just state for just that average people, they're just they're taking their kids to soccer practice. They're mm. not diving into neo-Marxism. They're they're busy That's diving li- into them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. But we me. say simple things like, you know, they would say, hey, there's only one race of people, the human race. And the California school system says that's a racist statement. If you well, say, your book. Right? That, that assumes an objective standpoint, which is something yes. that can only exist within privilege. It is willfully blind to the fact that it's a limited and culturally contextual standpoint. That's postmodern thought. Did you get that, folks? I just wanted him <laughs> to weigh in on that because you're sharing all yeah. these trite little things that we, we biblically believe. I don't, it doesn't matter how much melanin somebody has in their skin. I care for them. They reflect the glory of God as a Christian perspective in my worldview. And, and those things you would think, oh, that's enough. It's not enough for the, and you mentioned it in passing. Once again, if somebody didn't listen maybe today on Sunday, you just said it. Just You, you and James are saying things that if people don't have an unpacked this stuff. You said DEI, and they're back out there. What's DEI? Mention diversity, equity, and inclusion, and why that is being crammed down everybody's throat mm-hmm. from... Uh, it's being crammed down everybody's throat because that's how you break organizations from within. Yes. That's right. That's it. That's uh, it. You train a certain percentage to buy into it, a certain percentage to be But that sounds so good, James. I think we should have diversity. Equity sounds like a pleasant word. Doesn't it? Inclusivity, but what do they mean, yeah, so, guys? Um, this is fun because I can go... Let me just give you an example straight out of the University of Texas at Austin mm. that has a diversity, equity, and inclusion program that they're installing. I think it's diversity, equity, and inclusivity. I can't remember how they phrase it exactly. Uh, program that they're installing at the university with many millions of dollars behind it to change the university architecture. Okay. Five-year plan, the whole kind of thing. You never run into five-year plans and any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, that's a communism reference, by the yeah. way. Yeah. And so they've got this, and they say... Well, we need more diversity, we need more diversity. And you're like, well, of course, who would want to say no to diversity? And then further down, they have, you know, the small print. It's not that small, but the print. And it says, by diversity, because they have to avoid getting burned on civil rights legislation is what it appears. They say, well, by diversity, we don't mean hiring according to one's ethnicity or race or Mm -hmm. sexual status or gender, blah, blah, blah. They mean, we mean somebody who's skilled in diversity, which is a, skilled in dirt. what is a person who's skilled in a particular ideology? The, the, the lightest word for that is an apparatchik. Mm-hmm. The yeah. usual word for that is a commissar when they're mm-hmm. given power. And so diversity means hiring commissars. What does inclusion mean? Inclusion means people who are considered victimized by these power dynamics in society, but not otherwise, have to be made to feel included, welcomed. And so if anything is said or done that might make them feel Safe, i.e. safe spaces. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Then the thing that's making them uncomfortable has to be removed or the space isn't uh, inclusive. Mm-hmm. So, Which for example, for, it, it, that's where I was going to mm-hmm. get to. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. right. It might be a person. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> but at, the, at the, the superficial level, that's words. That's ideas. And so all of a sudden, inclusion means censorship. Mm-hmm. But only of things that can be tied to these, you know, possibly being able to be theorized as causing offense along these power lines. But secondly, it's diabolical. They talk about things like the ubiquity of the white male gaze, 
for example, that just makes all people of color and women feel uncomfortable. So the presence <laughs> of a white person upholds white supremacy. Can you bust a move on me with that gaze? Can I see what they, that's and, like? And, <laughs> right. Is that it? <laughs> Did you know. feel it? I don't, I don't know. know what it looks like. Okay. My lazy but, eye. But that's where you get the justification to remove people who have wrong ideas. Like if you are the guy who keeps saying the thing, you know, you keep standing up, well, you're you're creating an uninclusive environment, an exclusive environment, you gotta like go. Like the professor but at it Evergreen. Just, it could even be up, yeah. your right. person, mm -hmm. a white person, eventually, this, this is where the road goes and all slopes are slippery in the dialectical world, is people, the presence of somebody who occupies a position of power and privilege, according to the theory, might have to be removed for inclusion. So inclusion, we have commissars under diversity. We have. Uh, we I won't speak to a white reporter. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Great example. And now we have purges mm -hmm. under inclusion. Mm -hmm. We have pur uh, uh, purges and censorship under inclusion. And equity is the redistribution of resources to. They say that it's guaranteeing equal access. Mm -hmm. But their underlying assumption under social constructivism is that everybody, no matter what their identity, is perfectly the same. Identity, culture, uh, nothing can have anything to do with anything. And so, um, and in particular, cultural factors like, or even background or whatever, can't have anything to do with anything. So it must be discrimination that caused differences in outcomes. So they'll say, well, it doesn't matter if we actually have, say, the civil rights laws giving us equality of access. They call it face-neutral law, mm. facially neutral law. Uh, what you have to look at is, well, what are the actual outcomes? And this is a place that has to be fought back very vigorously, by the way, yeah. is, is this idea that disparate outcomes prove the idea that there must be discrimination. So just and this, is, this is already in law. There have been Supreme Court cases decided that, well, if there are differential outcomes, then uh, civil rights law applies. And this is terrible jurisprudence that has led to weaponizing these things. So the equity becomes the redistribution of resources by jimmying around, they say, with the point of access. So it's going to turn into things like quotas. Mm -hmm. But they can't use the word quotas because those are still illegal. Right. Although you guys tried to remove your uh, anti-discrimination language out of your state we constitution. We didn't. They did. Well, yeah. your, your state, yeah. California, tried yeah. to do that. Uh, the the Progressives in California tried to take the anti-discrimination laws as Prop 16, yeah. anti-discrimination language out of the state constitution. So Why? they could be discriminatory. So they can be discriminatory under a doctrine of equity. So this this mm -hmm. is this is racism at its worst. It is. It's Absolutely. even worse than racism it's at its worst. It's racist against every group, every single group, because it tells that group what it's supposed to be. And it tells all your so-called minority groups are minoritized in their language because the system has to minoritize them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to be at fault. Uh, all of your minority groups, it can't be a state of the affairs that it's, you know, say 13% versus whatever. It, it, somebody has to be doing it to them. But Can all I, these minority yeah, groups, though, um, well, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Right. <laughs> I was going to say just satellite view is that what we are in the midst of, as opposed to the really important details, if you take, you know, a couple hundred miles, you know, step back and you're viewing this from space, we are in the midst of a forced metasystem change. Well, That's what's happening. So we're talking about a metasystem. We're, we're going from a, a, an actual objective, real, tangible world into a subjective digital okay. world. All right. So 
Let, let, let me build on that. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, so really what is intended in doing that, so anything that was objective or true, <clears throat> which is where James, of course, his specialty was mathematics. You know, your understanding is in theology and doctrine and what you're preparing and teaching your, your flocks to understand. Like, this is the standard. Uh, as well, we have law that says here are the parameters of how we all agree that we're going to live under this constitution. Well, if we're going to move into this subjective world, if we're going to move into a world that can be controlled and changed and jimmied and so forth by a, an elite, uh, a technocratic group that makes the good decisions, then we have to take the power from the bottom and the middle out, and it has to be top-down. So the way that you do that as you transition into this new world, where it's a, an industrial revolution, if you will, where we're kind of moving away from the normal human relationships where people can change their minds, where people, people affect, let's say, things like markets, where you want to make sure that the market doesn't have the chance of having boom and bust cycles. So it's always consistent. It's always the same. Well, who does that? China. So if you're going to start to bring in an autocratic system into, and you even heard Biden talk about this about two months ago, he kind of played around with it a bit. Well, that would actually win. And those are the things that have been talked about in, talked about in think tanks in Washington, D.C. for the past 12 years, is that as you start moving into an autocratic system, you have to start to find ways that you can push away the confines of the law, the confines of our rights and so forth, to be able to arrive at that place. You're going to say? I was going to say, just all of these thoughts then boiled down into, we have a microcosm at Evergreen College. You gave yep. a great illustration. Yep, that's right. There was one professor that they were going to have a free white day at the college. Brett Weinstein. Uh, Brett Weinstein. Yes, and Weinstein. And so the Is, professor wait, 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 there... Weinstein or Weinstein? Stein. He says Stein, so I'll yeah, go with that. It's Brett Weinstein. Brett Weinstein. Weinstein. But because the microcosm of these ideas, the professor of white fragility taught there, right? She wrote the book. Um, help me with the name. She, she lectured there, Robin D'Angelo, yeah. She lectured there. Okay. So uh, Jesus said, wisdom is justified by our children, meaning if I teach this class, if I teach this school, if I teach my children, if I teach my family. This is the byproduct. This right. is what's going to happen. Yep. Mm -hmm. So when they were going to have a uh, free day from white oppression at the college, Brett Weinstein stands up and he says, What's the example of the racism that's taken place for us to do that? Mm -hmm. Which was basically his question, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Give me the, if the, he said, if this place is racist, I want to know it. Yes. What's the evidence? And then what, what the, unfolded as a result? Because Mayhem. But no, the, racism. The immediate, the immediate thing that unfolded was them shouting back, if you experienced it, you wouldn't have to ask for evidence, which is proof that you don't know which is racist. Mm. So asking for evidence is racist, is what immediately unfolded. And this eventually went into literal mob rule of the like campus. The whole thing melted down. They were patrolling campus with bats, pulling people out of cars, trying looking to find Brett. Looking for Where Brett. he had been advised by the police, like, don't come to campus today. So uh, this is on a college level. Now let's extrapolate that over the next five years of indoctrination of an entire nation. Mm -hmm. And you have at Evergreen College, from coast to coast. That's right. Mm -hmm. From north to south to east to west. The Evergreening of America. And mm -hmm. if this is the thing that if America doesn't wake up, if the church doesn't wake up, because there is a uh, the salt and light and the fabric from our perspective, if academics don't stand up, if politicians don't stand up, this this is on a downhill slide with such momentum, oh man, that it is, I mean. Terrifying. Yes. I mean, I don't think that's an exaggeration. It's, it's not. not. 
And you know, people would say that that's hyperbole, but I would I say know, this. I know, that's what they're telling me, I'm like. Is that, is that what you have to start to say to people is this. If you don't care about this, or you're not willing, especially you know, if you're a Christian, you're saying you care about the truth, you're here to, to be someone who's a vessel of the truth, mm-hmm. or someone who just cares about society and liberty and freedom, whether you be someone who's a liberal. It, if you're someone that cares about those things, you need to be able to look at your children and your grandchildren in the eye and if you're not willing to stand up, say, you know, I don't care about your future, that absolute right. dystopia that it's going to be, and I didn't stand up while there was a chance. Yeah. And right now what you've seen across the United States, mm-hmm. and as well in, in Britain and other places, mm-hmm. is that people have started to wake up. And I would say that James Lindsay is one of the, the reasons that that's, that's happened. Mama bear is my favorite word in English right now, I think. Mama yeah. bear is showing up to school boards and Isn't standing that? up. Yeah. Incredible. They are. Unbelievable. And, so where are the, and then I would say this then too. There are some men, but the men need to stand up and be Definitely. men yeah. with chess. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and and every school board in America needs to hear from the parents. It's it's time. Flood the every school board meeting. Flood it. it call it out. Mm-hmm. Demand it be removed. Learn your First Amendment right. Learn to your speak First Amendment because rights. they will try to tell yeah. you that you're. They'll shut off your com- microphone. They'll shut off your microphone. They'll they'll public comments. That's bring right. a, Bring a camera. Yeah. Make sure that, that it's being documented. They and will. then get them out of office. And, and it's not a couple of quirky guys in a cool studio here. I mean, seven governors have stepped up to say they want to ban critical race theory from their state's curriculum, right? But other governors have stepped up and said, we're going to install it by law in our state. That's Mm -hmm. correct, yes. And you were using Texas University as an example, Mm -hmm. and Abbott has stood up against critical race, but the uh, DEI, that they're, it's a five-year program, right? So there's a lot of subversive, like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is not straight up critical I mean, it is. Well, but, yes. You know what I mean? Like, internology. <laughs> no, that's you know the, what I mean? That's Internal. the thing. Is it, it, right. They do. They hide it. And they're going to camouflage and move that's to the right. yeah. That's right. behind another tree. Now, yeah. granted, that, that program at UT Austin was, was designed before Abbott stood up and said anything. So okay. I don't know what its status okay. is now. All right. Um, but they will... I mean, this is millions of dollars behind it. They're not, they're, they're not going to say, oh, well, we lose. Well, they're well, going to smokescreen that thing. What right. we need to do is instead of combating and finding out where it is and having them stop it, we need to implement uh, forms of teaching that deal with absolute truth, that deal with, with the Enlightenment thinkers and the scientific method. We have to return to that and demand that of our schools and, and remove this, this subjective, I feel, concept. And, and then if the school districts don't want to comply, pull them out and educate your own children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you pulled out of academia and, and yeah. higher education because by your own admission, there's not many universities, if any. I mean, I know Hillsdale uh, that that even teach, you know, no, enlightenment it's, thinkers. It's and, very, very bad in the universities now. It's very bad. It's even bad in Christian schools. Even Christian. Yes. In seminaries. Sometimes even. Seminaries even are even worse. Mm-hmm. So we, we just got to do it. Well, they have a diabolical playbook, and they are... Uh, you know, in your book, you did such a great job. You said by the the 90s, 80s and 90s, the from the 60s, the postmodernists really thought postmodernism was not able to be activated upon. It's dead. It's just an yeah. artwork. They're actually post-Marxists. They were just kind of depressed 
people who Cynical are like, nothing people. works. Yeah. Let's just deconstruct everything. Let's hollow out meaning. Because yeah. mm-hmm. our meaning has been hollowed out. Let's just project that into the world. How lovely yeah. is that? That's Derrida, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they have us rocked back on our heels, and we're just playing defense. But like what Rob's saying, we really, you know, by God's grace, and for our children and our yes. grandchildren, for the, for the preservation of our constitutional republic. Yes. Because that's where we have the freedom to worship the Lord according. Hey, you know what? You don't want to know God? That's your business. It's America, right? Yeah. And, and, and you yeah. want to know God? You can meet and worship. And, and to, but to go on the off- offensive in this way, but it's so, you have to be able to just take the garbage, because I'm a white guy, I'm not even privileged to speak, right? I, can't, mm-hmm. I don't have a voice. And if I let that shut me up, uh, then, I mean, we're going to miss the opportunity. That's so right. That's I just, right. You're, yeah, we have to speak up while we can. Let, let, let's close with this. Um, that, that at this juncture... And, and I, I don't think I can understate this. Uh, oh, let me correct that. I don't think I can overstate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and add to it, if you like, Michael, because I, I want to conclude with your thoughts on this. For everyone tuning into this, 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 is, this is the war of independence. Yes, it is. That mm-hmm. if... If we do not right now in every area of influence in our personal life before God Almighty as believers, we do not stand on behalf of truth mm-hmm. and demand its uh, demand that it be honored in the lives of those that we're responsible for in the community in which we live. When when they came after me. Uh, and, and for, for violating the restraining order, and the person out there was holding up a sign. My comment to the press was, I'm doing what I'm doing to defend their right mm. to disagree with me. Absolutely. And, and in addition, there was another man holding up a sign saying, it took this S-H-I-T to <laughs> get this atheist to church. Mm-hmm. Liberty is for all mankind, mm-hmm. and we must stand upon these truths because... When people awaken, regardless of if they're agnostic or, or Christian, when they awaken to the reality that this is going to take their liberty. Yep. So right now, everybody's responsible for snuffing this misery and getting rid of it mm-hmm. and demanding it be removed in every way, shape, and form. Would you agree, disagree, or would you add to it? I, w- I would absolutely agree. And what I would say is that I think one of the reasons that we, were, we saw in your church um, today in three se- very full services is that you have people that have come there within the last year and a half mm-hmm. because and they were folks that were outside of the body of Christ. They would have they said, never darkened the doors of the church. There's something right that's going on there. They're fighting for the truth. Mm-hmm. We see what they're willing to stand up against. They must have something that I don't have mm-hmm. and we're going there. Mm-hmm. And so when you see that happening at your church, when you're seeing the explosion that's happening at John MacArthur's church and all the other churches with the great light shows and fog machines and everything else, and they're emptied out, and many of them are still shut down at this point, um, what people really want to have is stand with other people that care about the truth. And even if they disagree with them, are willing to stand and back up their right mm-hmm. to disagree. That's a good word. That's a good one to end on, uh, and, and blessed by that. And Michael, uh, Dr. Lindsey James, um, thank you. It's, it's, a, it's an honor to sit with the two of you. 
what you provided to our congregation uh, to equip us for such a time as this. The timeliness of it, we're so grateful, so blessed. As a matter of fact, uh, Rick and I desperately needed this resource to yes, equip us for what we're up yeah, against. We did. Yeah. And um, we have a tradition uh, on our program that we always conclude with uh, the blessing out of numbers. And so tonight it's for you guys. Okay. And this is from the Lord to you, Dr. Lindsay, agnostic. Here we go. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, James. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, my friend, and give you both peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. God so bless much. you guys. Thank you for all you do. You have friends at God Speak. You have family at God Speak. We are with you. Uh, we support you. Go forward, and we'll join you. Let's make a pact. The first one of us to go to jail for any length of time, we send them a care package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I bake a really good cake with a nice smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, folks, thanks for joining us tonight. And um, would would you guys come back when you're in the area? I'd I'd be so honored. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. This is going to continue. Folks, if you have any questions, uh, just send them on the comment line. And... uh, I'm glad you joined us. We'll close with this. How do they follow you, and how do they follow you? You go first, Dr. Lindsay. If you want to follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. it's at Conceptual James. Yeah, and it's colorful. It's Just, colorful. Yeah, it's all good. It, it, it's, uh, I'm postmodern a little bit on there. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it, it, strategically. We know what we're getting in you. It's yeah. all good. And so you can follow me personally that way. You can go to my website, newdiscourses.com, and you can read even more outside of the book, Cynical Theories, there. So Cynical Theories is the book. New Discourses is the website. You can follow New Discourses on all the social media platforms at New Discourses. Follow me on the social media platforms at Conceptual James. That's where awesome. I'm at. Mm, SovereignNations.com, and as well our YouTube page, where many of the discussions between myself and Dr. Lindsay, and as well many others when addressing this within a Christian realm, but also from a political realm as well. I checked out your your Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't little... you want to give them the link on that one? Uh, at Solve cool. Michael. A little dangerous, but... Uh, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, give them some saltiness. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, but uh, at Solve Michael. Uh, but we'll be doing a lot of things, really, in our YouTube page that should be able to help equip the saints, as well equip people to be able to respond to many of these issues. And folks, uh, would you please subscribe to this? We haven't done this in a while, but we're really close to 30,000. And it, it, it just get everybody to hit that subscribe button because it sends you out a reminder. Otherwise, you miss opportunities like this to hear critical components of, of this ideological war we're up against. Uh, clips, click uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then if they start getting tired of us and YouTube wants to get all fascist and get rid of us, uh, we've put together a server and we'll have a link to that in those future. Plus, we'll be we're, you can see us on Rumble. So we're doing it all. Uh, but go ahead right now while we still have that opportunity, click on that subscribe button. And other than that, we will see you next time. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us on Vintage McCoy. Good night, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com. Or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage Report. We'll see you there.